Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of the Nostalgia Mixtape, a podcast that celebrates all things that give us nostalgic feels from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, as well as new pop culture events with a throwback twist. I'm your host, Tygan. Hello, world. This is your girl, Christina. And today we're going to be talking about our favorite 80s and songs and artists and everything. So it should be fun. But before we get into today's episode, please make sure you follow us on all the socials. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Nostalgia Mix Pod. And you can also keep the conversation going with hashtag Nostalgia Mix Pod if you have any reactions to what we're saying or any additional thoughts of your own. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play and rate our podcast. We can also be found on Podbean and on our WordPress page at nostalgiamixpod.wordpress.com. So I'm kind of excited that we're doing something 80s related today um, because I was talking with Christina off mic a while back about how we need to bring in some more some more 80s vibes here. Because even though we're 90s kids and we kind of came of age in the 2000s, um, I think the 80s have a pretty big influence on us overall, too, because, of course, the 80s led into the 90s and influenced a lot of the the music and fashion and pop culture trends and stuff then. And then I think most people are just kind of interested in the decade that they were born in anyway. Like there's just a general interest that's there. I would tend to agree. Um, I know me, it's weird. People laugh at me all the time because I'm interested in things that were older than me, but like, you know, the eighties are what brought the two of us here. So, you know, why not be interested in those things? Even though, you know, we were both born in the late eighties, you know, the whole eighties kind of, led us to where we are as individuals today. So we definitely have to give props to uh, all of those 80s years. Yeah. And what we hope to do in the future is, you know, have some, have some more 80s things on and like how we talked about before, having guests on and everything. um, It's always cool. We could bring on people that are even five or, you know, five or six years younger. I mean, older than we are. And they'll have a completely different perspective of things because they spent more time as a kid in the 80s. So it's kind of like when we had my sister on before, she was born in 81. So, you know, a lot of her childhood years were in the 80s or whatever. And so she has a completely different experience of that than I do. So Mm -hmm. if you guys are at all interested in hopping on with us, um, you can shoot us an email. Just let us know. Let us know on Twitter or something like that. And I'll be more than happy to discuss it with you and see, see what we could possibly do. We would love to have some new people. So, you know, hit us up. Let us know. Awesome. Well, what do you have for your nostalgia recap today? Um, what? I lost it. Um, so, you know, last week I was super excited because the Backstreet Boys came out with a new album. Um, and I had said that not to attend, they're probably going to have the number one album. Well, they definitely have the number one album last week, not this week, since we're kind of recording um, a little later. Are we? No, we're actually recording early this week, aren't we? We are. Um, Technically. Um, So yeah, they have the number one album. It was their first number one album since 2001's Black and Blue. Or 2000, I think. I think 2000. Um, So I'm very, very excited and happy for them to have the number one album. It's also Grammy night. That's what we're recording on is we're recording on Grammy night. Um, And they were nominated for their first Grammy since like the Millennium album, which came out in 99. Um, they lost, unfortunately, which made me sad. But, you know, it's great that they were at least nominated and they're all there looking sharp and dope and all their wives look amazing. It's just like one big happy family. Yeah, um, I, I was peeping some of the pictures earlier and I was like, they look good. They do. Like, it's weird. Like, looking back at some people, you're like, 
oh, wow, what has that person done to their face? You don't really have that. <laughs> that experience <laughs> they have the same so. face definitely and i mean they only look good because of i'm assuming genetics and a healthy lifestyle and all of them tend to kind of mind their business like pretty much i, I feel like that's the thing i feel like they you know and i could be wrong i know you're more of a super fan than i am or whatever but i feel like they really haven't had a whole lot of like weird controversies and saying dumb things that don't make sense or anything like they pretty much just kind of do what they do creatively and they just just kind of mind their business and I feel like people tend to look younger when they're not out here talking crazy right I mean they've had like a a few small things but I'm not even going to get into that but I mean they look great they're my guys I'm so happy for them um and yeah they just out there looking sharp doing their thing uh, they're finishing up their Vegas residency in April and then they're going on tour later this year, which I'm super, super excited for. Ooh, um, awesome. And then hopefully, you know, another cruise because I'm addicted. Aren't you going um, to see them this week? No, we are not going no. to Vegas anymore. Oh, got it. Yeah, so uh, maybe I'll try to go in April um, because they have a show on their anniversary date. Um, and then they have one. Um, I think their last show is April 27th. So I'm going to see if I can try to go sometime in April, but we'll see. There are no definites oh. there at the moment. Well, that still but, sounds awesome anyway. Hopefully you can't go in April. If not, then like I said, they're going on tour and I've got Backstreet Boys friends all across the country and I can go visit them. Kimberly has already said that she will see me in August when they come to Atlanta. I'm just like, I please don't spend my money for me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I definitely love to go travel and see them. So it's definitely on the table. Cool. Uh, so what else did I, do I have? Oh, so... Um, I don't know if we've mentioned this movie on our show before, um, but one of my favorite movies from the 90s is The Craft. Um, such a great movie about four like high school teenage witches. I um, love The Craft. Right? So apparently a few weeks back, Rachel True, who, for those of you who don't know which one Rachel True is, Rachel True is the black one. Um, mm -hmm. And she was basically talking about how she hasn't really been invited to go to different conventions and talk about the craft with the rest of the people on the cast. Um, surprise, and, surprise. Right. Um, <laughs> and apparently she had also said that like, you know, when they were promoting the movie that they weren't inviting her to like do press until like her co-stars were like, Hey, wait a minute. Like where is our fourth at? Um, which is just highly disappointing. Um, and I'm glad that then her co-stars stood up for her. I wish they would probably do a little bit more now. But apparently uh, she has finally been invited to join the con circuit with her uh, co-stars. Um, I don't remember what con it is that she's going to be at. Um, but she's going to be there with the other three women, um, including Nev Campbell, who's also awesome. Um, so it'll be good to see all four of them together. That movie's been out for more than 20 years. Uh, and it'll be good to see like the original cast together. Um, I love that movie. I need to go watch it because it's been a very, very long time. Um, but I don't know about you, but I definitely tried to, you know, cast some of them spells and fly and all that stuff. And Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert, didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I mean, when I saw that whole thing kind of going down on Twitter and she was having a bit of an exchange about, you know, what was happening and how she had been treated and stuff. It just, it was really disheartening because 
Most definitely. Why? Like, there's just absolutely no reason that she should have been left out of that circuit and left out of things like she didn't exist. And that's just, that kind of speaks to a deeper issue that, you know, we won't really go into because this isn't that, that isn't the angle of this podcast. But um, either way, I know fans will be really excited to see her, you know, going around, going to conventions. But I know it's kind mm-hmm. of still got to, you know, even though she's glad to interact with the fans, still has to probably leave her feeling some kind of way. Like, Absolutely. Um, I know it would make me feel kind of upset. And the thing is that, like, it'd be one thing if Rachel True had done the craft and then not done anything since then. But, I mean, she's still out here acting. And, you know, she had her own show when she was on Half and Half. And, you know, she's still out here killing it. Um, right. I remember a few years ago she was back in the news because people didn't realize she was 50 years old. But she looks about 30. Like, yeah, she looks amazing. She like, looks younger than I do. She's 50? Like, huh? And she came on Twitter and was like, yeah, guys, I'm like 51. What is wrong with you people? This is, she was like, this is weird. Like, yes, I'm 50. Like, is there a problem? But you know, even, like, if she hadn't, just, even if she hadn't done anything since then, let's say that was like the only thing she did. Like, I go to a lot of conventions and stuff. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm going to be leaving in a couple of days to go to a convention out in LA or whatever. And you'll have Mm -hmm. people that will appear on like science fiction or fantasy properties. And they literally will have like three episodes. Like I know, Mm -hmm. like comparing it to like the walking dead, like there are some people that were on the walking dead for like a hot minute, like faster Mm -hmm. than you can blink. They were dead and gone eaten up by zombies and they show up at conventions like people that literally right. were, there was one character and she was a little girl that died mm-hmm. in like season two and they are mm-hmm. now in season 10 and she still gets convention invites and she's still there talking to people, signing autographs, making money and everything like that. So, I mean, weird. there's just really no excuse at all that she shouldn't have been included with the rest of her <laughs> castmates. I mean, you know, like the people from Firefly get invited to cons all the time right. and they, and they have had one, one season, season and one movie <laughs> and that's it. Right. So, you know, good for her for standing up for herself and for people finally recognizing that, like, she deserves um, and for reaching out and being like, hey, come hang out with us. Um, So I'll be keeping an eye out for that to see um, how that goes. And we'll be updating you guys later about that. But I'm so excited for her. Like, you know, she deserves. She does. Um, And last but not least, um, did you see the trailer for the new Shaft movie? It looks awesome. I'm I'm definitely into it. I like Shaft anyway. So I think I was going to be in no matter what. Uh, Well, yeah, same. Like you put Samuel L. Jackson in the movie and I am there. Exactly. Um, I don't honestly think that I've seen the older one. Like now that I think about it. Uh, Don't quote me on that, but I'm excited to see it. Um, I remember seeing somebody talking about the new Shaft movie. For those of you that don't know, they're coming out with a third Shaft movie. It is mm-hmm. called Shaft. Um, and it's got Richard Roundtree, Samuel L. Jackson, and a new Shaft. Apparently, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character has a long-lost son he didn't know about. Um, that kind of pops up and surprises him and says, Hey, Dad, guess what? I'm here. Um, and so... I don't know who the villain is or like what they're doing or whatnot, but hijinks abound. And uh, the trailer is hilarious. I'll link it in the show notes if you haven't, you know, gone on YouTube and checked that out. Um, you know, the first one is definitely like typical black exploitation film. Uh, the second one is very much just an action drama. Um, and this one seems like a, the best of both worlds, but also like a buddy movie where they're just kind of running around doing all sorts of silly things and cracking jokes on each other and all that jazz. Um, and it's Samuel L. Jackson. Who doesn't love Samuel L. Jackson? 
Like, and who doesn't love Richard Roundtree? And whoever this new guy is, he seems pretty funny. It's also, um, I believe Regina Hall is in it. Uh, mm-hmm. He, she plays like, you know, new Shaft's mom, um, and she, you know, gets a couple swear words in in the trailer. So I'm excited to see it. I can't wait till it comes out. I think it comes out uh, sometime during the summer, um, and I can't wait because I'm gonna be there, front row, center. Maybe not front row, but. I'm going to get my tickets. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it looks fun. It. Anything that can be fun and like take you away from <laughs> any of the stuff that's going on right now, count me in. Right. 1,000% well, in. Right. Exactly. I only have a couple of things today. I'm I'm just, I'm full of surprises this year, guys. What like, a <laughs> I know usually I have like eight things, but I was like, I'm going to keep it short and get to and get to the point or whatever so we can really get into our episode um mm-hmm. but the first thing i had was bobby brown had a birthday yay and mm-hmm. i love bobby brown he uh celebrated his 50th birthday i believe and i saw where um ron devoe who was in new edition with him and his wife shamari were they were at like some kind of all-white party or whatever that they had for bobby and they were posting uh some they posted in their stories on instagram were posting video and stuff like that and it looked like a really good time so mm-hmm. um and he looked really happy and, you know, really happy and really good and stuff at the party and everything. So happy birthday, Bobby Brown. Like it is a, I probably said this a few times before, but like the fact that he is still here after all of the stuff that he has gone through is Mm -hmm. like a miracle within itself. So any year that he, any year that he gets to celebrate another year of life and being here and, you know, continuing on his legacy and stuff like that, I am more than happy for it. Well, Props to you and happy birthday to Bobby Brown. It makes me want to go back and watch. Did you see the Funny or Die video where it's um, Mike Tyson and Wayne Brady doing every little step I take? Yes. It's the uh, most hilarious video ever, and I could never watch the normal version of Every Little Step because Mike Tyson being <laughs> Bobby Brown. Like, if you haven't experienced it, again, we'll link it in the show notes, but like, you have to experience it at least once. It's gold and it is so funny because when i watch it too i also think about like all of the crazy stuff that bobby wrote about in his book with him and mike tyson when they were hanging together because can you imagine like mike tyson at his peak and bobby brown at his peak and them Mm. hanging together and getting into shenanigans together (laughs) it would be like floyd mayweather hanging out with 50 cent before you know the two of them fell out right but worse It's like so that, but like a hundred times worse. It is, it's just a mess. I've told people before, I'm like, if you have never read that book before, Bobby Brown's autobiography, it's insane. And that's all I got to say about that. So the next thing was we just recently um, came off of the Super Bowl and everything. And oh. what a lot of people have been doing now, instead of watching the Super Bowl um, and watching the game and stuff is that... Janet Jackson Appreciation Day, which started, I think, like two years ago, right? I think, no, it was actually last year. Oh, was it last year? We did it in response to Justin Timberlake being the Super Bowl halftime show. Right. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot he did the halftime show last year, probably because I intentionally blocked it out of my memory. But Janet Jackson Appreciation Day is going to be every year this year. So shout out to Matthew Cherry, um, who kind of got that hashtag blown up and out there last year or whatever. Um, Matthew's a really interesting guy. And I think it's kind of cool that he was so heavily involved with the hashtag mm-hmm. and everything because mm-hmm. he used to be an NFL player himself. Um, and he segued, yeah, he's since segued into like, you know, directing, like he just did some stuff for uh whiskey Cavalier that's coming out soon. He's directed, mm-hmm. 
Michelle Williams and Beyonce when all of them got together and did Say Yes. He directed that mm-hmm. video. And so he's done a lot of cool stuff like that. But yeah, Janet Jackson Appreciation Day. Um, we celebrated it on Twitter and we were retweeting some things and posting some video and everybody just spent the whole day celebrating Janet. I know I made some snacks and the whole time that I was cooking and stuff that Sunday, I was just listening to Janet Jams. Like I listened to the playlist that I made for you guys and a few other songs that I just really love. And so anytime that there's an entire day of people just showing Janet Love is awesome. And I think mm-hmm. one of her one of her nephews, um, can't remember which one, he was on Twitter too, and he actually told everyone, all the fans, thank you, and how much he really enjoyed the tweets and following the hashtag and stuff throughout the day because he, like everyone else, just thinks that she deserves so much more love than what she gets. Oh, like, there can never be enough love for Janet. Never enough love for Janet. She's been looking really good out here. I've been following her on, t- on Instagram. And mm-hmm. like, she changed her hair up. It's very... She- and this is not a diss when I say this, but like it's very like what's love got to do with it, Tina Turner ish style hair. I like it, it. very big. Yeah, like it's huge, it's curly, it's kind of unruly, but like in a dope way. Um, I love it. Jenna Jackson, keep doing you. Please don't ever change unless you're getting better. You can get better, just don't, don't ever change. Um, yeah. we love you, Janet. Like, if you want to, you can go back and listen to our Janet Jackson episode. We might do another one of those. That was fun. Yeah, we had said that before that we were going to do like a part two because there's just so much to talk about <laughs> with, with Janet and everything she's got. Like you can, we could do multiples of that. That would be, mm-hmm. uh, that would be amazing. So yeah, Janet Jackson Appreciation Day is apparently going to be a yearly thing now. So I look forward to every February getting a chance to celebrate Janet Jackson. Every Super Bowl Sunday, I guess, because that mm-hmm. seems to be the thing. I'm cool with it. We haven't had a real Super Bowl halftime show since Beyonce anyway. So, you know, that's fine. Exactly. So the next thing I saw I was uh, while I was perusing Twitter one day is that I saw someone posting an appreciation thread for favorite 90s men who are just absolutely fine. And, of course, we saw, like, Shamar Moore was in there. Mm-hmm. They had uh, Lorenz Tate, who I think mm-hmm. is my pick. Has yeah, that's, that's, that's my pick for, like, if you're going to talk about, like, 90s fine, like, at the peak of it, he's just he's just fine. Like he's mm-hmm. fine now. He's just not aging. He's not aged at all. Like he doesn't even look. You know how like some people who you know obviously get older, they just look like an older version of themselves. He doesn't look like an older version of himself. No, he looks he the looks exactly same. Exactly the same way that he used to. He even and sounds fine. Like his voice <sighs> is just ain't oh. that a thing? Like <laughs> we could go off on a tangent about sexy voices but we're not going to do that today i don't know i'm going to go a little bit so okay that's for fine. those for, for the people that don't know um he actually did a audio series called bronzeville and it's about uh a community up in chicago i believe or whatever back in like the 30s or whatever and it's an all-black community and he plays mm-hmm. the lead character in there called jimmy tillman it actually has a really good cast it's got like tika sumter and Lawrence fishburne mm-hmm. um tracy ellis ross like a whole bunch of all-star people coming together for this audio drama um and i love 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 audio dramas like this kind of i think it's something that's not appreciated as much as it used to be Mm-hmm. In American culture, it's still pretty, it's a pretty big thing over in um, like the UK and stuff. They still do audio dramas a lot or whatever, but it's really, really good. Um, it's on Google Play. I know it's on iTunes for sure. That's where I listen to it at. Mm-hmm. So if you guys haven't checked out Bronzeville, check that out. Um, but he sounds fine. Like me picturing the character through his voice or whatever. I'm like, oh, Lorenz, just, 
I have listened to those episodes far too many times because his voice is just everything. Hmm. But okay, either way, so come back to Earth. They had- <laughs> <laughs> paging time. But they had Tupac. They had a whole bunch of other like '90s fine men there or whatever. So I'll mm-hmm. give the link for that, and you guys can just scroll through and just appreciate all the fineness. Like it was just mainly fine black men or whatever. I think they had like a white guy thrown in there too, but it was mainly black guys. So go back Did and enjoy talk- that. Did we talk about how like I didn't like Shamar Moore until much later in life? You did say that. Yeah. I've always yeah. kind of, I've always thought Shamar Moore was a trainer. Like I wasn't like, Oh, like, you know, Mm-mm. drooling over him or anything, but I've always thought he was an attractive guy. I didn't see and, it for him back in the day. Everybody loved him and genuine. And they're just like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Please, I don't know how, I don't know about the genuine in. thing. I don't see how you really missed that because it was, I, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see it. Like, I still don't really see it for genuine. He, I, no, I don't see it now. Cause she looks different Moore? now. Like criminal mind Shamar Moore? Yeah, I'm I'm um that that I like, yes. I'm really mad that he's not on Criminal Minds anymore, but you know, next season's gonna be the last okay. season anyway, so it's not gonna matter. Well, I mean he's doing his thing though. He's got SWAT out yes, right now, is. which is actually really good. I've seen a few episodes. I'm enjoying it. I definitely like him playing um he's playing Hondo. Which mm-hmm. Samuel L. Jackson connection because Samuel L. Jackson was Hondo in the movie. Right. Um, which the movie was dope. So, you know. And that's the one but thing I, I can say about Shamar. Like, he has been consistently working as mm-hmm. an actor, which is no easy feat, like, since the 90s. Like, he just goes from one thing to the next to the next. Like, his career moves, there have been no breaks, no anything. He has just been on the move since the 90s. He really hasn't. And he just minds his own business and does his own thing and everything like that. Like, he posts his little videos, drinking his wine mm-hmm. and salsa in his front yard. Like, he's really living his best life. Dancing and around shirtless for no for no reason at all. Just he is, because he can. He is living his best life. And I just, I love Shamar more because mm-hmm. he's just doing his thing. And he doesn't get enough credit for being a great actor and for having such a solid and steady career. Absolutely. Man is like so talented and just always hustling. I want to know how we got to him hosting Soul Train. Like, I want to be the fly on the wall during that conversation because there's like before he was hosting Soul Train, it didn't make sense. I'm like, he's an actor and not an artist and not involved in the music industry whatsoever. But it worked. Like, everybody loved it. And then he went from that to Criminal Minds, and you're just like, wait, what? Right. Like, just the pivots don't make sense unless you look at the entire picture, I guess. But I ain't mad. The man stays working, so. Yeah, because I think he was, he came up in conversation a lot um, this past week after uh, people were talking about, you know, just some different soaps and everything like that, talking about mm-hmm. soap actors and, and all of that stuff. So, yep. yeah. So it is. That, that thread is awesome so we're gonna link that let you guys take a look through there and then you guys let us know too you know you can always hit us up on twitter or whatever let us know who your favorite 90s guys were who were fine and so the last thing i have is it was the 20th anniversary of she's all that like a couple of weeks ago but thought it was always interesting to bring it up it's like one of my favorite 90s cheesy teen movies freddie prince jr looks bare minimum 27 in that movie and mm-hmm. Ra- Rachel Lee Cook is like she looks about 13 so it's a little uncomfortable much, yeah. because he definitely looks like even though and the thing is, is that they're, they're actually close in age everybody. yeah but they're close in age like in actual real life but he he looked like a solid 27 years old in that movie and I'm not sure what was happening and they had no chemistry now that I go back and look at not it like it was all. just terrible but I love that movie and I will always watch it when it comes on TV and it's probably on DVD somewhere around in my house 
How exactly does DJ Usher coordinate an entire like <laughs> dance at the school prom? Like how? When did when did y'all practice this? Did he send out VHS tapes doing it so you could practice it at home? Like what? I don't Little know. Kim was in that movie too. There were like, just wait. so many people in that movie, and I'm like, where did these people come from? Like the '90s of '90s at all? I think wasn't Paul Walker in there too? Yes. Yeah, like everybody was, the was evil in that guy movie. that was trying to sleep with Lainey and like oh didn't really care about Lainey whatsoever. Um, and the thing that kills me about that is it's that same thing that I keep going back to about glasses. Like, and we talked about this on our Save by the Bell episode. I don't understand who came up with the concept that if you just take glasses off of a person, they're instantly beautiful or handsome. Like, it's the same person. Right. And her glasses weren't even like bad glasses. Like I've had bad glasses because when I started mm-hmm. wearing glasses back in the 90s, when I was in elementary school, the only options you had were like either Urkel looking glasses or Harry Potter looking ones. And so I had Harry Potter looking like round, not very attractive glasses. Like she had decent looking glasses for mm-hmm. the time period. And literally all they did was just like take her hair out of a ponytail, cut it take her glasses mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. and put her on a dress and a pair of heels. And she was mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, she's like smoking hot. But I'm like, she looks exactly she's the same. The exact same person. <laughs> she's she. just not wearing weird clothes and she doesn't have a ponytail and she took her glasses off. Like who came Very up much. with that concept that, Oh my God, if you put on glasses, you were a nerd and you're gross. But if you take them off, you're instantly hot. Oh my God. Anna Paquin was in that movie. Cause she was Freddie Prince Jr.'s sister. And is the one that did like the makeover. Yeah, everybody was in that movie. Jesus Christ, <laughs> the non makeover because there was no makeover. All you did was take glasses off of a person and movie. put her on different clothes. Like, what is was what Gab- is happening? Was Gabrielle, Gabrielle- in that movie too? She had a small part, if I'm not mistaken. Like, I don't remember her having anything like big. But the list—if you go and like look at the list of people that are in there—like, it's crazy. Like, uh, Debbie Morgan was the art teacher. Who else? Oh my God, it was just so many people. I can't even remember all the people that were in there, but I know Gabby had a small part in there. I can't even remember the name of the character that she played. It was it was just crazy. Usher, like just all of the people in there for, for no absolute reason at all. That's mm, so much fun. <laughs> it is. Yes, this movie is ridiculous, but this movie is a lot of fun and a lot of fun to watch. So we're just going to roll with it. Yeah, so 20 years of that. I can't believe 1999 was 20 years ago. Right. That's crazy. What is going on? Why are we so old? Oh my god. I don't know. Don't like it. Make it stop. Me either. It sucks. But that's all that I have for my recap today. So, 80s music favorites. Like, we didn't really want to stick with any one genre or anything like that. We just kind of want to talk about some things in general. Of course, when you're talking about a decade, you're talking about 10 years of music. You're talking about a lot of different genres and artists and stuff. Obviously, we're not going to be able to name every song we like and every artist we like because otherwise this podcast would be like three days long trying to talk about everybody because there's so much to like from the 80s. And like, once you really start thinking about it and digging into it, and especially if you're into a specific genre like me, I'm a hip hop head. So Mm -hmm. it's a lot of stuff from hip hop. Like I could do an entire episode just talking about hip hop artists from the 80s and kind of how they intertwine with some of the culture and stuff that we see today or whatever. But we'll do just a few things. We'll scratch the surface a bit today, but it's um, 
it's potentially a topic that we could go back and revisit and maybe even break down by genre one day. So mm, that sounds like fun. Yeah. So we'll, so we'll see how that goes. So like, what are some of your, when you think of eighties and you're thinking of like your favorite artists or like big artists of the eighties, what are some of the ones that you really think of? So one of my favorite old school artists, well, from the eighties that were super, super huge in the eighties is Aerosmith. Um, anybody knows me, they know, but I love Aerosmith mm-hmm. from the, like all of their, like super beginning music when every when all of those guys were like super young to now um i am a huge aerosmith fan like i was one of those kids that when aerosmith rock band came out i was like i have to have this game like i have to have it i think it's one of the few video games that i've actually beat (laughs) because like i just love the aerosmith games like we even have a um like a bar arcade here called boxcar and they have like a guitar hero that you can play and i'm automatically going to go play whatever Aerosmith song that they have. Like, that's typically the first thing I start with if I'm not playing Welcome to the Jungle, which is also super easy. Uh, but I love them. Um, the 80s mm-hmm. were huge for them. They had the song Living on the Edge. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Janie's Got a Gun. Um, Dude Looks Like a Lady was one of their big hits in the 80s. Um, that was also when you got Walk This Way, the original version and the remix with Run DMC. Um, Back in the Saddle, which is not necessarily one of their hugest hits, but one of my favorite songs. I like Back in the Saddle, them. too. Yeah. Um, just so many great songs from Aerosmith. They were killing it. They were probably at their height in the 80s, um, you know, had a long career. Um, and that was just kind of when they were their biggest kind of coming out with album after album after album. Uh, of course, I was born in 87, so I didn't get to see most of it. But in hindsight, like that era of them was when they had some of like the majority of my favorite songs from them came out in the 80s. Um, so I love Aerosmith. Like I want to see them in concert, but it's way too expensive. And their lead guitarist isn't in the group anymore. So it's almost not the same. But like if I had a time machine, I would go back and Right. See, See, that's the thing that gets me about like the 80s when I start thinking about it. I'm like, dang, like if I had been 10 years older (laughs) right, (laughs) or something, like how awesome would it have been to like the 80s for me is like one of those decades that I really wish in a way. And don't get me wrong. I love being a 90s kid for so many reasons, but it seems like it would have been equally as cool to come of age in the 80s. Like, right. imagine being able to go to the Aerosmith concerts and stuff, or any of the rock guys. Like, rock was so, not that it's not big now. I mean, of course, it still mm-hmm. definitely has a major platform, but rock was like super it's peaking different. in the 80s. Like, I mean, it was just, a, it was probably the biggest genre. Like, you know mm-hmm. how now hip hop has kind of eclipsed everything else almost? Right. Because hip hop is just saturated in everything you turn to a, a basketball game on tv they're playing a hip-hop song right you know the news they're represent they're doing hip-hop references on news channels and all that stuff like that but i mean in the 80s like rock was major hip-hop was really mm-hmm. starting to find its footing or whatever but rock was like the like the genre that people were really listening to from all different backgrounds and everything like my dad's a musician or whatever and he's a gospel musician but loves rock music because Mm -hmm. he's a musician so i mean he appreciates the musicianship of the of the artists and stuff they were playing the song so i mean not only aerosmith for me definitely but i love bon jovi um (gasps) who doesn't living Living on a prayer is like one of my top 10 80 songs just across any any genre period love that song those songs that is like nug if you buck for white people (laughs) it really is like I love living on a prayer. Oh my God. Listen. I did that song one year for Ensemble. And I was like, there is no way I should be singing this song. Like I am not 
white enough for this song, but oh my God, like anybody we performed it in front of like died because of how awesome that song is. It literally is like like a few bucks for white people. That the fact and, like, that you said that is hilarious to me because I was just about is. to say, don't stop believing. Like, and you know, we, we love our white listeners and stuff, but y'all know y'all be real hype when living on a prayer and don't stop believing come on like i have never seen like people just start throwing their arms up in the air and they're just like sing screaming like people get white people get real turned up off those songs it's crazy i saw journey in concert one year a friend of mine works at our local like coliseum and got me tickets to the concert which it was weird because there weren't really a lot of people there but i mean it's technically new journey with the the dude that's Asian that's like two feet shorter than everybody else that I, like I remember seeing that at the end of the show when everybody took their bows it's like everybody's six foot tall and then the new lead singer is like five foot four or something. Oh. it looks really strange but he sounds exactly like the original lead singer of Journey um, and when they sang that song of course they're gonna wait until the last minute to sing Don't Stop Believing" because it's gonna get the crowd the highest but oh my god I have never seen <laughs> a crowd of people get so like amped up for a song before in my life like you would have think thought that it was like the second coming of jesus because yeah. they were super hype well i can imagine uh, it's like it's just like the living on a prayer like the video i love the video because they were like mm-hmm. super turned up in the video i was like dang i'm trying yes. to be in the audience again like i wish i had a time machine like you said to be able to go right. back because it seemed like it would have been dope i mean so many like rock bands back then because you had like acdc that was out you mm-hmm. had guns gun and roses motley crew mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. kiss and i mean just so many bands that were right. out there and all of them were putting out dope music at the same time it was just so many to choose from it had to have been crazy i would also like to point out just before we get off bon jovi that John Bon Jovi is still fine. Like, is, is pushing like 60. I mean, I'm not going to say nothing, but since you brought it 60, up. 60, 70, probably. The, the band no, is no, fine. I had to. John Bon Jovi, it's still good looking. And I don't, again, it goes back to money and business. Oh, man. Again, and not bothering nobody. Yeah. I'm telling you, if you mind your business, you drink water, mind your business, <laughs> and don't talk crazy in the streets. You look fine. You think it's good. The, the man looks good or whatever. And I mean, I, I, like I saw the when I saw the uh, the Living on a Prayer video a couple of years ago, like the first thought in my mind was like, dude, I know he was just getting all the groupies. Like I, I can't even, mm-hmm. my mind can't even wrap myself around what it must have been like when they were on tour back in the day. Like oh, at yeah. the height Aerosmith. of their, oh my God. Aerosmith too. Jesus Christ. Those boys. Now, Okay. <sighs> Steven Tyler has obviously been through some things and has done a lot of drugs in his life. And mm. it shows. Like, let's be real. It shows. But young Steven Tyler? Young Steven Tyler. And everybody. Was, yeah. Had to be getting everybody. Like, oh, if I, if I was at the concert, young Steven Tyler could have got me. Like, absolutely. Not going to lie. Because again, like you, th- thank God for YouTube, because you could go back and like kind of relive some of those moments and stuff. And I'm just like, right. hmm, okay, yeah, exactly. I-, I see what was going on. I see why. I totally why did. the ladies was going crazy over you. Totally makes sense. Yeah, I see why you had like you know four five kids. I see why you were married a couple of times. Like mm-hmm, I-, I-, mm-hmm, I get it because mm-hmm. you was fine. It totally <laughs> makes sense in my head. Same with like. Now these aren't these guys aren't my cup of tea, but like the Motley Crews and the Guns and Roses of this world, outside of Slash, because Slash is I just want to play in Slash's hair. Mm-hmm. Like I say this every time I bring up Slash, 
I just want to play in his hair. Like, I just want to walk up to him and, like, touch his hair, which I know is one of those things that, like, as a black woman with natural hair, you just don't walk up to people and touch their hair. It's not what you do. It's not a petting zoo. But I really just want to walk up to Slash and touch his hair. That's all Mm -hmm. I want in life. But Guns N' Roses was amazing. Like, who doesn't love Welcome to the Jungle? If you don't love Welcome... Again, Welcome to the Jungle is one of those songs that's like, nuts if you buck. Right. (laughs) Be super turned up. Like, for no reason. Especially towards the end when they're just making up words and all that. Play that song in front of a group of white people. Especially some drunk white people. Oh. Or karaoke. Like they, they oh love to do that joint during karaoke. Like drunk white people <laughs> love them some 80s rock during karaoke. And it's it's always an amazing time. I have done Living on a Prayer a couple of times with mm-hmm. drunk white people that I didn't know. And it was a blast every time mm-hmm. that I've done it. As a matter of fact, I'm hoping I'm going to a convention this week. Like I said before, out in L.A. And I'm hoping I can grab a couple of my friends and do some Living on a Prayer out there. Like that's, that's my, that's one of my go-to karaoke songs. And I don't, I'm not a singer or any of that stuff like that. That's, that's Christina's lane, not mine, but I don't mind doing a little bit of karaoke. And that's one of the songs that I definitely like to do. That's so much fun. Like, it is. I don't even sing like, what's that guy's name? Axl Rose. But like mm-hmm. just screaming at the top of my lungs, like the end of Welcome to the Jungle. It's like my favorite thing. Sweet Child of Mine as well. Um, oh yeah. Paradise City. Like I love all of those songs. And if you play them at karaoke, I will sing them like I'm on stage at Madison Square Garden because who doesn't love those songs? Sweet Child um, of Mine puts me in a good mood. Like it it's does. on it's actually I have a playlist and you can tell I'm very Ravenclaw guys. Um I make a playlist mm-hmm. for everything. <laughs> that's that's what we do. So I have a playlist of just like feel good songs. And mm-hmm. that's up there and like uh Katrina and the Waves Walking on Sunshine is mm-hmm. up there too like those are like two I've got like several of you know what I call like my favorite white people songs up there I've got Cindy Lauper time after time like there's a Aww. whole bunch of songs that when I hear them they just I don't know they just make me feel like good and happy and, and bubbly inside and so I, I didn't notice until we were getting ready to prepare for this episode when I was listening to that list I was like wow I've got a lot of 80 songs up here like more than what I initially thought of because usually I would have mm-hmm. more you know have more like more contemporary R&B and stuff like that on my feel good list or whatever but I was like I got a lot of 80s stuff up here like there was some good feel good music rocking then yeah uh Sweet Child of Mine feels like summer kind of like you know summertime feels like summer it's just easy and breezy and just fun and super melodic and just oh, I love that song yeah and I mean you can't I, really talk about rock without talking about basically the queen of rock herself good old tina turner exactly uh, i mean just mm, i love tina turner so much like <sighs> just love like i had to go look because there are a lot of artists that i love across multiple genres so i had to go back and look to see like what their 80s hits were and like the 80s brought us what's love got to do with it mm-hmm. i can't stand the rain which you know some of you youngins don't realize that missy elliott's i can't stand the rain is sampled from the tina turner song right um her hitting up Bush City Limits and Simply the Best. Just what do we do to deserve Tina Turner? Like, I love Simply the Best. What do we do? Um, I'm fairly certain the song from Mad Max was in the 80s as well, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe. I could very well be wrong about that. Didn't I'm pretty sure far. it is. Um, but uh, we I don't, like need, a, Dancer we don't need another Harriet. Oh, I love that song too. Yeah. It's literally one of my top five favorite Tina Turner songs is Private Dancer. Yeah, I um, think it was, I mean, I think it was dope. Like, this song came out in, um, like, the mid-80s, and you look at the lyrics and stuff like that, and it's like, okay, 
Like Tina was Tina was on the wave of, you know, women do what they want to do or whatever and being comfortable in their mm-hmm. sexuality and stuff like that, which I mean, it was no surprise for her because she's just, she's been oozing sexiness since she came out, you know, back in the 50s, 60s and everything. So yeah, I mean, Tina Turner, you can't, I, I mean, you really can't talk about 80s without talking about Tina and her influence there because, and we've said this before about how, I think we talked about it some on the Janet episode too, about how Tina Turner kind of laid that blueprint Mm-hmm. for women from all genres or whatever so i mean not only people Absolutely. in rock who look up to her but your janet jackson's and people that came after her or whatever i mean they kind of walked her footsteps like she you know she she you know walked so that way beyonce now could run or whatever because mm-hmm. you can clearly see the influence all over her like it's just every time i see beyonce perform i i see i see those tina turner performances in her and you can see how much she's just loves her and is influenced exactly. by her so if you don't love Tina Turner, we probably can't be friends. Yeah, no. Nah. Make that a part of the friend contract. Is that we? You have to like Tina Turner, or else, or else I'm going to make you a fan of Tina Turner. Yeah, One of those things is happening. Can't mess with it. I can't mess with people if you don't like Tina. You don't like Janet. Like we got like a list of like five people on this podcast that if you don't like these people, then you probably just shouldn't Ooh. listen to us because we're going to talk about them and shoehorn them in there somehow in every in every episode like everyone absolutely possible we're gonna try to get it in there I think no I doubt about it them like the the like five tenets of our podcast or the five commandments or something like that we're gonna make a list at some point but like if you don't like will smith or janet or tina or beyonce or uh keenan and kel then might not be the show for you yeah i mean if you don't like keenan and kel like what's what's going on with you speaking like, of janet you through in your life Speaking of Janet, Janet, Janet has, some, Janet has some stuff popping in the 80s and stuff, too, because remember, Control came out in the 80s and Rhythm Nation came out. So mm-hmm. pretty much anything on those albums, I mean, that'll ride for me. Es- you know, I think Escapade was actually released like right at the beginning of the 90s, but that album still came out in the 80s. So I count it as 80s because that's when the album was released or whatever. But I mean, Rhythm Nation, Miss, Miss You Much, like all of those songs, you know? Mm-hmm. As I am doing the Miss You Much dance in my head now. You can't help it. Like, anytime somebody brings it up, you know you know it. Control, what have you done for me lately? Pleasure principle. Like, all of that was, like, 80s stuff. So, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of times people think of Janet, they kind of think of, uh, they kind of immediately go to, like, her 90s persona. And, like, all the different eras that she had then. But I think those, I think those 80s ones kind of get, kind of get a little, I wouldn't necessarily call them underrated. I'm trying to think about the right term for it or whatever. I mean, maybe overlooked is the better term or whatever, because people immediately, you know, go to her Janet era and go to the Velvet Rope era. And those are talked about a lot. But I mean, you have to think about it. Those eras are what really made Janet, Janet, like the 80s were really established her. So, I mean, it was before that's the way love goes. And, you know, anytime, any place and stuff like that, like that was the groundwork of her laying the foundation of who she was going to become as an artist. You wouldn't have the Velvet Rope and Janet and Design of a Decade Janet without Pleasure Principle and Rhythm Nation and all of those things. Like, right. I mean, that was her coming of age. First. Yeah. Exactly. Was, that was her coming of age and really breaking out from, you know, the creative control of her, you know, of her dad and everything like that and kind of becoming her icon in her own right. So, I mean. She perfected a sound with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, like. Yeah. You can't get a better pairing of producer and artist yeah. than Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, and Janet Jackson. Like, clearly, like, if you map out the tra- the trajectory of her career, I don't understand why I can't get words out today. Um, 
there was the Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis era, mm-hmm. and then the not Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. And I'm not saying that Janet has ever had bad music, but there was some stuff that just wasn't hidden. Yeah, like I mean, it was just too. it was just iconic. Like that right. that that pairing. It's like when MJ worked with Quincy Jones on the Thriller album. Like I mean, right. you couldn't get a better pairing. You couldn't ask for a better pairing. And I mean, eighties pop and R&B was, I mean, they were hitting back then too. I mean, now, you know, bringing Michael into the conversation or whatever. I mean, Thriller gets so much love or whatever, and I love Thriller, but I really jam harder to bad. And I know that's kind of, because people always argue about, you know, it's off the wall better, it's Thriller better or whatever. And I'm not saying that bad is a quote unquote better album because that's kind of subjective, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. When I listen to bad, like I just, I found myself listening to that album more than I listen to Thriller because I love the way you make me feel. I love Dirty Mm. Diana. I love Smooth Criminal, like, and Leave Me Alone is just a mood, like a forever Uh, mood. Man, Leave Me Alone is probably one of, so my number one favorite Michael Jackson video is Smooth Criminal. Because Smooth Criminal goes hard. But my second favorite video is probably Leave Me Alone. Him dancing with the elephant skeleton and him being like the roller coaster ride or like stuck under the theme park and then breaking out of it. Just, oh God, iconic. Iconic. Right, but I mean, it's just I so love- many like wonderful metaphors and stuff like that. And basically it mm-hmm. was just, it was just Mike, like it was, it was like his version, like what Bobby Brown did with My Prerogative, which also speaking of 80s R&B came out in the 80s and it's one of my faves Mm -hmm. um but it was his version of like my prerogative like shut up mind your business leave me alone stop talking about me in tabloids you don't really know me so it was him giving it was him giving a giving a middle finger in a very nice michael jackson way because he was just a nice person so that was the nicest way he could say f you right it was the middle finger before the actual middle finger that came in screen because that's on things too but that's not 80s so we're not talking about that right uh I leave me alone is just one of my leave me alone doesn't get enough love. It doesn't. It is truly an underrated song. It makes me so angry. Like that. So just see now what I want to do is I want to go to my friend Mo's house and do the MJ experience because that's one of my favorite dances from the MJ experience is the leave me alone dance. Oh, Um, yeah. I saw the Michael Jackson show that they had out there. Um, in Las Vegas, I think we were out there last. No, year before last, Ooh. and that was no, that was pretty amazing. Like I have a friend that's in that um, that I actually said I was going to go visit, but then we're not going to Vegas anymore, so I'm not. But yeah, uh, I hear that show is insane. Um, and if Donnie dances for them, then I know they go off on that show. Like they have mm-hmm. to. They do. It is. It is amazing. Like I, I honestly want to go. I would love to be able to or love to have been able to see it more than once because there's so right. much to look at. <laughs> like, I mean, right. you need to see it more than one time because there are so many different people doing things and people are flying in from, you know, out the ceiling and crazy stuff like that. Like there's so much going on at one time that it's like, dude, I need to see this multiple times to really catch everything. And they, and they included a lot of his eighties, you know, hits and, you know, of course, thriller, the iconic and everything like that. They included a lot of those eighties hits and stuff in there too. Michael Jackson in the Billie Jean video was very fun. I love that video. And I like the way he looked in that video. With the light up floor. Mm-hmm. Like, I and the fact that like he that freestyled that, house. like, that's super dope. Like, I remember um, hearing that in a documentary that I that I was watching or whatever, that in Billie Jean with, like, the different light up squares, he just told him, he was like, hey, light up where I go, and I'm just going to kind of freestyle and do something cool. Like, that's what it looks like when Michael Jackson freestyles dancing. Exactly. That's crazy. 
the light up floor is like the best part too. Like how do like, you get, how do you give birth to multiple legends? I'm trying to figure that out. I don't understand either, but what is happening? Like, like these, I mean, it's this whole family of legends. <laughs> whole family. They did. Whole they family. did that. People can say what they want to say about Joe and Catherine, but they did that because everybody's telling it. Crazy. Mm. Imagine giving mm. birth to Michael and Janet Jackson. Mm. I can't. I don't. Crazy. <sighs> oh my god. I'm... Anyway, we could get stuck on Michael and Janet all day. So. Let's see, other 80s R&B, since we're kind of in that vein. Like, I mean, I don't know. You can't really, you know, you say Prince, but you can't really put Prince into like a genre box. You definitely cannot. Because he just, he was just Prince. Like, love, let's go crazy. I Would Die For You is definitely in my top five. Mm, I love that 80s song. songs. Love that song. I could just listen to it. Like, I cannot listen to it. Just one time. Anytime it pops up on a playlist or um, I'm just, you know, listening to in a Prince mood and listening to some Prince songs, like I Would Die For You, I have to listen to it multiple times. That song is just fun. It just does. It, I mean, fun. he's got so many great, like, album cuts, too. Like, I know a lot of people like Purple Rain and and some of the more popular songs, but, like, I, I mean, love When the, Doves Cry is my favorite song. Like, I love When Doves Cry. When Doves Cry, I am going to turn it up. Yeah, I do. I love one of my favorite videos by him. It's a good video, too. Yeah. Dang, I want to go watch that now because I haven't seen that video in a minute. Right? Now you got it in my head. It has a a kaleidoscope effect where it kind of split in the middle of the screen and it was the same thing happening on both sides, but like mirrored to each other. God. Love it. Prince. Love that. Love Darling Nikki. Um, Mm. I love the ballad of Dorothy Parker. That song is really good, really funky album cut. And a couple of years ago when they did, when, when Prince passed away and BET did the tribute to him, mm-hmm. when Erica Badu came out, she did the ballad of Dorothy Parker. And so I'm in my house like, oh my God, I love this song. And everybody else was so confused on social media because they're like, what Prince song is this? I was like, if you had not heard it, if tonight was your first time hearing it, go and listen to that song. I was like, because... I love that song. Like, it's just one of those. He had so many album cuts like that. They were just awesome that, you know, people could just go through and explore his his multiple albums and work and stuff like that. But yeah, love he it. He has so many albums. It's ridiculous. He, before he passed away, he had an exclusive streaming deal with Tidal. And I went through everything. Even some of his newer stuff still bangs. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. the, um, like, I know we're talking 80s, but like the hits never really stops with him he has an album with this group called third eye girl or something like that um was one of his later albums and i'm just Mm -hmm. like this could have come out now this could have come out in the 80s this could have came out in the 90s and still would have gone hard like prince is just a timeless artist he is absolutely timeless so i mean can't talk about the 80s without talking about Prince because that was, I mean, he was ruling then. Like, I mean, and that's the thing that I love about those previous decades like that is that I felt like, and not necessarily saying that it's not the case now, but I felt like mm-hmm. then there was just more room for multiple superstars. Whereas people kind of get latched into this, like being a fan and that you can only like, 
you know, one person or it's got to yeah. be this or that thing. It's like, do you like Cardi or do you like Nikki or do you like this person or do you like that person? And right. then, I mean, you just had so many people that were doing their thing and they weren't really hating on each other or anything like that. And people were cool with, okay, I love Prince. Yeah, I love MJ. And I love Janet too. Yeah, I love Bobby too. Yeah, I love New Edition too. Like, I mean, you could right. just, you know, it, you felt more free to like multiple things. Whereas now it's just people are weird about being fans of, of things and feeling like they have to, you know, only that there's only one room one for, yeah, or there's only one room for one, you know, rap superstar or only one room for one, you know, R&B star or something like that. It's just, it's crazy the way things and are now. And they're always concerned about who's on top and who's number one this week and who's number one that week and who sold the most records and stuff like that when they were just, you know, worried about making good music. I mean, yeah, it, right. there's a business to the music industry and all that jazz, but like, I think the focus was more on trying to make a good product versus, right. um, you know, trying to be better than the next person. Um, right. And another thing that I miss of like the older days, you know, we were talking earlier about Janet Jackson mm-hmm. working with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and you know, Michael working with Quincy Jones is there's not a lot of people where it's just like one album, one artist and one producer. It's like this song is produced by this person and this song is produced by that person. Right. Versus like and so it's not as cohesive as it would album. be if they right. worked together. Right. Um, you wouldn't have gotten Rhythm Nation if it had been produced by like each song had been produced by somebody else. Like you wouldn't have got that. Right. Um and so, honestly, that's uh, one I of the things I love. Days. Yeah. Yes. I love that about Beyonce that she does that now. Like people can say what they want to say and you don't have to be a mega Beyonce fan, but you have to admit that as far as having concept albums and as far as being interested in making a cohesive album and not just trying to put out just hot singles. I mean, she could do hot singles and stuff like that too, but still having a cohesive album and having concepts and stuff like that. That's something that she still does and still cares about. And I mm-hmm. think it's because of that influence of... Your, your Tina Turner's and your Michael Jackson's and your princes and people back then that cared about that stuff because that's that's right. what was supremely important to them. And the hits naturally came. Exactly. Because of the love and the time and attention they were putting into things, you know? And that's why I hate when people rush artists now and feel like they have to pump out an album every six months or an mm-hmm. album every year or something like that. Like, give people time to work on and create their craft and to come out and deliver something that people really want to, that people right. really want to hear something that makes sense. And not just a bunch of, like you said, this person producing this, and this person producing that. And so it just sounds like a bunch of like jumbled, good seat, good singles that belong to different people. Right. Like I've listened like, to some albums like that. And I'm like, each one of these songs sounds like it just belongs in another place. Right. People keep, you know, getting on the case of like Rihanna, cause Rihanna hasn't come out with the album in three years, which is weird because like her entire musical career and i say musical in air quotes just because we're just talking about her doing music like her entire musical career is her coming out with one album every like 11 months um but like one she's got fancy beauty so she ain't checking for y'all and two like maybe she just wants to do something different with this album maybe she wants to you know work with one producer maybe she just wants to do something different and is taking her time with it or maybe she's not caring at all and not doing any music whatsoever like give her the time to like do something and like you know not have to right and that's the thing too like people weren't yeah people weren't being hounded about this stuff back then and of course i get it it's a different time there wasn't a twitter or instagram Mm -hmm. to go and harass artists and say when are you releasing that album when you gonna release that album hey avon lady when you go put out that album you know right like i mean there wasn't any of that stuff too but i don't know i just i just feel like it was 
it was different then. Because, I mean, you yeah. even had other people like uh, Rick James and Tina Marie. Like, Square Biz is probably my favorite 80s song. Hmm. Just overall. All right. I love the... I, I don't know everything about that song. It's just dope to me. Love Tina Marie's voice. Mm-hmm. Love the song. Love the, love the love the instrumentation. Love the fact that she was rapping on a track. Like thought mm-hmm. that was dope or whatever. Like it's just a really really dope song. Um, I don't know, and it's hard to say like you know favorite song overall, but it's definitely up there, like high high right. up on my list of like fave eighty songs. When I think about the eighties, like when I think about the eighties, that's one of the first songs I think about. I am going to admit that I am not familiar with this song. Really? Yeah. Ah. I might have to YouTube it real quick. Oh, it's fantastic. Like... Yeah. Well, I'm I'm, I know you've heard one yeah. of those songs that it's like, I know this song, but I don't really know. Like, I don't know that that's the name of the song. Yeah. It's I'm pretty sure you've heard that situations. song before because I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty popular. It's been in a few movies and stuff like that. Like it was a, it was a big hit for her. I mean, outside of, you know, like fire and desire with Rick James, which I think, mm-hmm. you know, that pairing was amazing because they sounded amazing when they recorded that song like rick james for all his for all his wild ways and the crazy stuff he was doing but i mean he was a he was a really dope artist back then because he was just unapologetically Mm -hmm. himself like he would wear red boots with heels on them and he was rocking glitter and tight leather pants and stuff like that and he Mm -hmm. still was gonna walk away with everybody's woman and not care yeah he would would. i love ebony Uh, eyes too Mm-hmm. With Smokey, that's a good song. Like Rick, Rick James could really sing. Yes. So we can't talk about Rick James doing music without talking about one of my favorite '80s songs ever. And I had to Google this to make sure that this song came out in the '80s. Mm-hmm. But I know anytime "Party All the Time" comes on the radio, <laughs> I gotta turn it up. <laughs> Party all the time. Yes, I went there. I'm sorry. I had to. <laughs> Party all the time. <laughs> Look, I love that song. I know Eddie that song is a, that song is a guilty pleasure of mine. I am so <laughs> glad I'm not alone. Because <laughs> every time I hear it, I'm just like laughing. I'm like, Party all the time. Yo, it comes on the radio and my mom about <laughs> wants to slap me because I start singing it at the top of my lungs. I turn the radio up and I'm just like, I look, I shouldn't love this song as much as I do, but I really love Party <laughs> Listen, he had a, that was a bop. I ain't gonna lie. It was. <laughs> See, you know what though? Eddie Murphy had it made because he was friends with all them people because he did, Rick James, you know, wrote and produced Party All the Time. And there's another song that I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's him and Michael Jackson <laughs> and there's clouds and they're dancing around and Eddie Murphy has a wife beater on and he's singing a song with Michael Jackson. Oh, God, I don't remember the name of that. That they have a song with Michael Jackson. <laughs> right. It was very weird. Like, I don't remember it the name very, of the song or anything, but weird. it was extremely weird. And I was just wondering how that, how it's did that what's happen? Up with you? I don't know. There's clouds. Michael Jackson looks like he's got on the outfit from Remember the Time. It's just very, very, very weird song. Um, weird video. At, that song came out in 1993, but Party All the Time came out in 85. Um, oh, my God. Just, <laughs> it, you have good friends, Eddie Murphy. Like, you you pick good friends. 
Hey, I'm, I'm not mad. I was not mad at Eddie Murphy at all. That song about, I'm, and I would listen to it every time sure it comes on. What Eddie Murphy was thinking when he was like, I'm going to call the album now. Like, Eddie Murphy, I love you, but you were not Jamie Foxx. <laughs> but I love Party yeah. All the Time. So. Party All the Time was good, though. I, ain't, I cannot be mad at that at all. Um, I really liked. Let's see. Definitely, Whitney Houston didn't have a a lot in the eighties that I really listened to super mm-hmm. hardcore like that. But mm-hmm. um, I want to dance with somebody. Definitely love that song. I love that video. Mm-hmm. I think even more that I love the song it's because she's just fun. so it's so bright and bubbly and fun. Like that's on my feel good list too, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and she's just so young and so freaking beautiful in that video like she really is if you haven't seen that video in a while like go to youtube after you listen to this episode and just watch it i mean she just she looks so young and bright and full of life and i just i love that video so much or whatever like i think that's what i like the most about young whitney houston is that she just in everything she just looks so so young and and hopeful and her voice was just like super amazing like i Mm -hmm. can't even imagine what it would have been like when she first came out to just hear this incredible voice on the radio or something like that and be like, who is that? Yeah. And where did she come from? Because this is amazing. There's never been a voice like her. There will never be another voice like her. It's just nope. not a thing. Like she me. is absolutely, undoubtedly the voice. I mean, even like, I, I love I'm Your Baby Tonight. Mm, God, like, it's I love a, that song. Yeah. It's some good, she has some good 80s stuff. I think it's kind of the same thing with her too. And I don't know if maybe it's just like people are contemporaries in our age group that kind of do it because we tend to latch on more with like the nineties, like kind of like with Janet, how we kind of latched on to like a more of her nineties stuff mm-hmm. just because that was the time that we were kids. And that was probably more of what we were remembering and listening to. Mm-hmm. But like, when you go back and actually think about it, she, she has some solid hits absolutely in the eighties. Cause I mean, greatest love of all is probably the first song that I remember singing in public. Like I sang that, in elementary school at like one of our little we called them celebrations and they were basically just like a variety show that like each group of classes would put on um and like our chorus did the greatest love of all it's literally one of the first songs i remember singing in public and one of the first songs that made me be like okay this is what i want to do right so yeah love that song i'm your baby tonight is such a jam i remember there's um there's an interview of Kelly Rowland singing that song, and she was talking about when she was auditioning oh, for yes. Girls' Time that would end up being Destiny's Child, and that the reason why she got picked to be in the group is because she could sing the lyrics to that song, and Beyonce and her dad were impressed by the fact that she that could That song do that. is extremely difficult to sing. Right. It's a lot of fast yeah. words, and it's low, and... Like you have to be on it to be able to like not get tongue tied singing "I'm Your Baby Tonight." Um, yeah, I can do it. But you I'm know, I mean, to. really, it was Kelly. Like, and I, I remember the clip you're talking about or whatever. But I also remember seeing the their audition video when mm-hmm. what would what was going to become Destiny's Child audition for um, Columbia Records, and mm-hmm. Kelly did most of the singing. Yeah, in that audition video, like she really was the one that scored them the deal. Beyonce had a good voice and stuff then, but you could tell that she was really young and she didn't have the same type of vocal control and power and stuff that Kelly exhibited at that younger age. Mm-hmm. So I mean, thankfully, they took the chance on Kelly and got her in the group because I don't know if they, I don't know if they would have secured that deal like they did without her. Right. So, do you feel like there are any like underrated artists or artists that you feel like just 
flew under the radar, didn't get enough love or anything like that that you like from the 80s? Um, not too much. Um, I mean, I would have loved, so Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics is one of my favorite songs. And maybe it's just mm-hmm. me not being familiar with way more of their discography. But I feel like they have a sound that could be timeless if I probably did a little bit more research into them. Um, so I would love to see like a current Eurythmics album, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. Cause I love their sound. Yeah. Um, the lead singer's voice, whose name I can't remember right now. And if I hadn't been thinking about it, I could have named who exactly she was. Uh, but I love her voice. Uh, I loved that sound of that. Annie song. Lennox. Yeah, there we go. And she's still out mm-hmm. there killing it. Um, I'm sure, but I would love to see. Yeah, she still looks she good does. too. Um, there was who did I see? So when we went to go see Journey, um, there was some other rock group whose name I can't remember that opened up for them, and then their like pre-opening act, like the one that came on right before them, was Pat Benatar. Um, I love mm-hmm. and Pat Benatar. Um, Ooh, love is a battlefield. That's such a, song. a great song. <laughs> And We Belong and like all of her songs. It's crazy because she still sounds exactly like that now. Like exactly like that. Her voice has not That's changed amazing. Yeah, because I mean, people's voice can get weathered, right. you know. Um, that's part of the reason why Tina Turner stopped performing and stopped touring is because her voice was changing and she couldn't hit, you know, some of the notes anymore because that's and that's not a diss to her. That's just what happens as you no, get I mean, older. that's just time, right. you know, and think about how hard they used to tour, oh, yeah. like back in the days, like in, like even before the eighties, you know, that we're talking about now the sixties and seventies. I mean, people stayed on mm-hmm. tour all the time because that was how you, that was how you made yeah. money. You and know, then, like some of those albums were a lot shorter. Like I don't, like even going back to like the Beatles, you know, now you get an album and it's like 14, 15 songs. Um, right. But, like back then you get like seven to 10, maybe. And that's it. Which I think is better for the most part. And again, it's about making a tighter, more cohesive album. So that way, because most of the albums, especially from your favorite artists, you felt like you didn't have to skip a track. Everything in there made sense. There wasn't just like filler songs in there just to make a, you know, okay, I had to have 16 songs on this. So three or four of these songs is going to be, what the hell is this? You know, a lot of it, like now I've studied a little bit of like music law and contract law and stuff like that. And the reason why, you know, some of those albums end up being so long is because they only make like the artist only makes like 10 cents per track or something like that. Like after everything's said and done. So like you would have 10 songs to make sure you at least got a dollar off of every album, even though that gets cut all to pieces after the label takes their chunk. But like the more tracks, the more money you could make and the less the label takes from you. So like, I get it, but. Okay. uh, That makes sense. Now I see why some people are doing like 18 album songs and like two side discs and all Um, of that and all of that stuff. That makes sense. from like behind the music where Lisa left out Lopez like breaks down mm-hmm. contract math and how they can be the biggest touring act in the world and not have any money. The Backstreet, still right, the Backstreet Boys mm-hmm. went through the same thing where mm-hmm. they were on tour for like six or seven years straight because they did a few years over in Europe before they came and became big over here. And like after Black and Blue, they're like, why do we only have 50 grand after being on tour for five or six years straight? Like, Yep. (laughs) That's like New Edition. I mean, and again, you know, talking about 80s and stuff, love New Edition, love everything that they, you know, were putting out and stuff. But I mean, gosh, they were kids Mm -hmm. 
like kids, kids. I mean, cause you think about it, like I just said, Bobby just turned like 50 and all of them are around the same mm-hmm. age. So, I mean, they were super young in the eighties and touring all the time and being kids and having to go to school and do things like that. Like the, the documentary, not documentary, mm-hmm. miniseries that was on BET, like showed them literally getting off of a tour bus and having to go like straight right. to school. <laughs> and they were not making any money. It's really weird. Like nothing. It's really messed this up. This is a really like small thing that I just realized, but you keep talking about how Bobby Brown is 50 years old, um, just turned 50 this year. And I was having a conversation with my mom a couple days ago. This is going to come back to the Backstreet Boys. Don't shoot me. But they were on TV promoting their album. And she said, she mentioned something about Kevin and Kevin being pushing 40. And I was like, first of all, like, whatever you're complaining about is not a thing. But two, Kevin is pushing 50. He's 47 years old. And Bobby Brown is 50. What is going on? Wow. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> time, man. Time slipping. Time is slipping away from us. Right. In the words of Jersey, <laughs> whom I'm not going to start laughing at. I am. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Oh my god! I want to add to the guys. Notes. If you missed that, if you missed that episode where we were, and I don't even remember which one it was, but I think we about just died of laughter, <laughs> laughing and jealousy on one episode. <laughs> Time was slipping away from them. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> here we are again. That throws me off every time. You're the one that brought it up this time. I can't help but think about it. I literally came in my head like time is slipping away from me. Not in the singing, the terrible singing voice they were doing, but just the phrases. <laughs> and see, now that we've talked about Casey and JoJo and Jodeci, like all I'm thinking about is that video of him standing on somebody's shoulders and eating a piece of chicken while he's trying to sing. And I'm just like, <sighs> why does this exist? <laughs> we just... We're broken. We, oh my God. We can't do this today. <laughs> All right, let's back up. Let's, let's, let's back up here. So, like, when I think of somebody from the 80s that didn't get enough love, there was an artist out, and her name was okay. Kate Bush. And she's a singer. Um, she actually has a song that I really, really like called mm-hmm. Running Up That Hill. Like, she came out when she was, like, 19, and she had a really just weird, eclectic, you know, type of sound to her. She was talking about, like, social mm-hmm. issues and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um Running Up the Hill is really, really good from her. And then she has uh, another song, too. Trying to think, 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 think about the title mm-hmm. of it or whatever. Hmm. I think it was this this woman's work. Okay. Brain had a brain slip for a second. So most people know that this woman's work when they think about it, they think about the Maxwell version and, you know, it was in Love and Basketball. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be like, you know, the sexy song or whatever. That original, yeah, the original song was actually Mm -hmm. by Kate Bush. And the song was actually supposed to be about a woman going through childbirth. That makes sense. Like, that's the actual meaning of the song. So Maxwell took it and kind of completely flipped it. And now it's become like this sexy song. And so I kind of giggle every time that I, <laughs> that I hear the mm-hmm. Maxwell version, because I think about the Kate Bush version. I'm like, it has a completely different meaning there. But she's got a you know, really beautiful voice. Came out with a few great albums. I think she still does some mm-hmm. like small touring and stuff now. She was a British, uh, a British singer or whatever. So a lot of people in the U.S. may not be familiar with her. But I just like when you go through and you listen to some of her stuff, it's like, wow, like it's really really forward thinking 
and stuff that still sounds like it could be new and fresh and could be on the radio mm-hmm. and stuff today. So I just kind of wish she had blown up more and had gotten more shine than what she than what she got kind of her first time around when she came out in the late seventies and was kind of out throughout the eighties. I might have to check her out because I'm not familiar with her name, but I definitely know, you know, obviously the Maxwell song, which I'm fairly certain we danced to when I was in high school. Um, so, yeah, I have to check that out. That and the Tina Marie song, which I have open in a tab to listen to. I swear I know this song, but I just like it's one of those songs where like you know the song, but you don't know the name of the song. That makes sense. Yeah, it's probably I was reading an article a couple of days ago about a bunch of songs that it was just a whole list of songs that you don't know the name of. Like you may know like mm-hmm. the beat to it or something like that. And you can hum it, but you have no idea what the name right. of it is. Um, there's a lot of those songs where I'm just like, I, that's why I have the Soundtown app on my phone, because anytime a song comes on the radio, and I don't, don't know the name of it. Like I have to find out who it is because um, I'm a nerd like that. I like to know things. Um, you know, I need that. I need that app. I don't know why I don't have it, but it's definitely something that I need so that way I can figure things out. Cause I know that I know the beat mm-hmm. or the melody or something like that and have no idea what the name of the song is. And then it ends up being something named completely different. Right. Exactly. And, it, or like the, the title to the song is not actually in the lyrics and you're just like, wait, what? Right. I really hate songs like that. Yeah, Cause it's like the, da, 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 da. Yes. it's Tom's diner. Oh, wow. I'm like, nobody says Tom, nobody says Tom's diner no. in the song. Hmm. Why is it called that? I don't understand. It's like the, isn't that like the I Dream of Janie theme song? Or something? I think it's like elements of it. Yeah, it's like elements of it in there. And I don't know which one came first or whatever, but I'm like, I don't understand the name. I don't understand why that song is called like Tom's Diner. It doesn't Mm -mm, make any sense to me. Not at all. Not at all. But either way, I don't know. I don't, I feel like you can't really talk about, of course, I can't really talk about 80s music and stuff without covering some hip hop. Let's do it. Um, Because it was definitely starting to, come to a rise and stuff and i think there are a lot of more underrated hip-hop songs that i love from mm-hmm. then too or whatever of course you love like your run dmc and folks like that or whatever um love eric b and mm-hmm. rakim love them so much everything that they did was super dope like to me rakim is probably one of the best hip-hop artists ever mm-hmm. i think I, I really can't think of too many greats that yeah yeah i mean ain't too many greats that came after like him and slick rick that don't name Mm -hmm. those two as an Mm -hmm. influence at some point um especially like wu-tang and stuff people that came after that and i love wu-tang as you guys know or whatever like they were big influences on them um i love (laughs) there's like a wu-tang clan twitter page and about every day they say wu-tang clan is for the kids and i just look at it and like Wu-Tang is a mess. Everybody in there is just, is just a mess in the best way. Yeah. I love them. I love Rob Bass and DJ uh, Easy Rock. It takes two. Like, I mean, you can't, anytime you go to any type of party or whatever, and they're rocking some 80s joints and stuff, you're going to hear that mm-hmm. song or whatever. One of my faves. Um, Queen Latifah was starting to kind of come to a rise and stuff then. That was kind of like when Queen Latifah and Salt and Pepper and them were all starting to, to rise up and everything. And again, like you had a bunch of dope women that were in the game and there was room enough for all of them to be there and to mm-hmm. be successful. So I love Moni Love with Moni in the middle or whatever. I did not realize until like, and I, I know she rapped about it, like in a couple of songs and I may have just missed it, but I didn't realize for a while that she was British. Oh, Moni Love. Really? I did not know this. No. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, yeah, I was gonna say, I feel like I didn't notice that. Like I've known it for a while now. It's been quite some years mm. or whatever, but like back in the day, I didn't realize that. 
I mean, but she even says like she has a song with Queen Latifah called Ladies First. And she says, you know, um, she even spells out like L-O-N-D-O-N or whatever, like saying that's where she's from or whatever in the lyrics. And I'm like, I'm such a dummy. I completely missed that in that song. And I love that song. I've listened to it a whole bunch of times. Like her rap the song now would do it if, you know, it wouldn't go turn into like a weird copyright thing or whatever. Mm. Yeah. But I mean, I didn't even realize that she was from from London. But yeah, she is. I'm like, that's that's crazy. Like, uh, of course, you know, we love Fresh Mm -hmm. Prince. Will Smith. Mm-hmm. So DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince came out. Like Brand New Funk is probably one of my favorite songs outside of, of course, Summertime. Like they had a couple of smaller hits and like mm-hmm. album cuts that were really good. And I like Brand New Funk because it was completely, it was a really different rap style for Will Smith than what we heard him do in other songs. Okay. So that's a dope one for people to check out. Um, there was a female rapper out called Sweet Tea, T-E-E. Um, and she's got a song called It's My Beat or whatever. Okay. That song's dope. Um, it's got DJ Jazzy Joyce on it, which if anybody's in New York City and listens to Hot 97, um, they may be familiar with Jazzy Joyce because she's a producer okay. for Hot 97 now. Don't know whatever happened to Sweet Tea. I think she was like a mm-hmm. one-hit wonder um, that just kind of came out. It's like JJ Fad too, like with Supersonic. They were kind of salt and pepper before mm-hmm. salt and pepper became salt and pepper. And they had that one hit supersonic out and you just never really heard anything else from them again. And I don't know why, because I mean, they were a dope group, but they just, I don't know if it was like a label thing. I feel like they just maybe didn't get the promotion and stuff. I think they just got a bad deal. That happens quite a bit. And so then, so yeah, then Salt and Pepper kind of came in and just kind of blew up, you know, blew up from there or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, yeah, it is. It's kind of crazy. Um, so what about you with hip hop, 80s hip hop? Realistically, I didn't listen to a whole bunch of 80s hip hop. Like there's, I mean, obviously I listened to the, you know, Fresh Prince and the Queen Latifahs of the world, but I was more into 80s pop and rock. Um, like I haven't mm-hmm. really. But though, like I said, those were the big right. genres, like, then, you know, kind of my thing. And plus, like, you know, I went to school with a bunch of rock heads. Um, I, you know, got exposed to a lot of older rock and pop and that was kind of always my thing. So, uh. I honestly am not. Outside of stuff that you hear on the radio on the regular, which is going to be only mm-hmm. a small selection of things because the radio doesn't play everything, obviously. Um, I don't really have much to contribute to this particular topic here, unfortunately. It's always been. No, I mean, it's all good. And like I said, I, I mean, I totally get it because I feel like rock was, you know, I'm not saying that aren't that hip hop wasn't mm-hmm. doing its thing, but I feel like rock and pop were like the dominant right. genres. And then that, that kind of switched over as we got into the 90s and hip hop really started blowing up and you know and I really I think it kind of started in the 80s because when you had that Aerosmith uh run DMC walk this way or whatever that was you know when they kind of started meshing those genres or whatever and it started getting those crossover hits going right. on you know like that was the biggest one because like I mean uh, it's rock this way like yeah I don't think that had been done before and so in that way Mm-mm. um we definitely get it now because, you know, later in the early 2000s, we had Collision Course, which is the collaboration between Jay-Z and Linkin Park. Uh, and just Linkin Park existing to begin with because they were a rap-rock combination as well as like right. the Limp Biscuits of the World and stuff like that. Um, so that song and just that collaboration paved the way for a lot of like the 90s rap-rock that we got. 90s, early 2000s rap-rock that we got. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, I mean, for me, it's just it's so so much '80s hip hop stuff that can that I can talk about and discuss. I could just throw out songs out there all day for people to check out, like um, Jazz O. 
who actually uh, was a New York rapper and he was Jay-Z's okay. mentor, which you kind of can that get a little sense. bit of the name reference there, Jazzo, Jay-Z or whatever. Um, he had a song called The Originator, which featured a very young and a then unknown Jay-Z with a completely different flow style. Like the thing about it was like that fast rapping or whatever. And he was rapping like Twisted Fast. Mm-hmm. And most people cannot picture. They were like, can you really picture Jay-Z rapping that fast? Yes, that was what he did because he was following. He hadn't found his right. own style yet. And you could clearly tell that like he was dope. The, the bars and stuff were dope or whatever. Because um, I took time, looked up the lyrics and all that stuff like that. But he just hadn't found his mm-hmm. his sound. So if you want to go back and kind of see like a young Jay-Z and see where he came from and see who his biggest influence was and who his mentor was, they kind of pushed him to become the person he is today. And I know they had they had like a period of time where they had a bit of falling out doing like the Rockefeller records mm-hmm. thing and stuff. But now they're back on good terms. They've collaborated with each other on and off throughout the year. So he's still very much so uh, uh, influence and remained an influence throughout the years with Jay-Z as he kind of grew to become the person that we, that we right. know now. Um, and then you've also got like Ice Cube mm. and uh, NWA or whatever, but I mean, especially Ice Cube, like when he went, you know, when he kind of started doing his own it solo thing, like <laughs> if you go back and listen to that, yeah, like who would have ever thought this man would be in Are We There Yet? Running Did around you know with some kids. Did he came out with an album last year? Yes. It's very much like old man rapping. Like very, very much old man rapping. Um, like, it, no, 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 not mm. in a bad way. It's just very much like <laughs> oh, so I was old like, rapping. <laughs> there, there are some questionable choices yes but there's actually a few bops on there and if you haven't listened to ice cube's latest album you should let me find out the title of it real quick but he definitely came out with an album last year like i happened to see it on title and was like wait what (laughs) Hmm. yeah because i wasn't sure when you said it was like old man rapping i was like i'm not sure where you're going with this Because, I mean, there's there's some that's not bad, and then there's some with people trying to rap like they did in the 80s, and it's like, it's definitely not the 80s no more. Like, you can't, you can't rap like that anymore. Like, chill out. Because uh, some rappers do do that. And I'm like, I mean, you, you get to a certain time in your career where you just got to start switching it right. up and doing some different things, and you have to grow. Like, your sound's got to grow, what you're rapping about's got to grow. Because, I mean, a, you know, Ice Cube can't rap about no. the stuff today, or like a Snoop Dogg or whatever. It's not really going to rap about the stuff today that he did back then. Because, I mean, you know, he's much mm-hmm. older. He's got, you know, kids are grown and everything like that. He's like cooking with Martha Stewart and doing all this right. stuff. Like, it's just not going to, he's not going to rap about um, gangbanging no more. I mean, because he ain't, he ain't gangbanging anymore. Right. You know? Uh, the album is called Everything's Corrupt. And I did pronounce that correctly. It is Everything's Corrupt. Everything's? Yes. Um, okay. With a Z on the end? Uh, no, it's just T H A N G S. Just right. things? Just um, things? Okay. Okay. The second track is called Arrest the President. <laughs> Just gonna leave that there. Um, and he, ha- I'd and like he to has a to single uh, <laughs> with a very trippy music video called "The New Funkadelic," and I'm gonna leave that there. I'm probably gonna put the new Funkadelic in the show notes because I think you need to experience it at least one good time. Oh my! Oh and we're just gonna goodness. move on to the next thing. Just know that Ice Cube came out loud <laughs> last year. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check that out. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I liked a lot of hip hop artists then. That was like when. That was when LL mm. came out, and so he had I can't he had had I can't live without my radio, and you know all those songs like that or whatever. Like his first couple of albums, he was building up and 
soon becoming. And he also, um, I think it's pretty notable to note with, with LL is that in like 80, I think it was 87, as a matter of fact, which is mm-hmm. a great year, year mm-hmm. we were born. Um, he came out with I Need Love, which really was like the first like hip hop ballad mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, I mean, and people, you know, people are like, you know, later, you know, clown people for doing it and they clown Drake for, you know, kind of sing rapping and they did it with Ja Rule when, you know, Murder Inc. was big and stuff like that. I mean, but he did it back then. Right. And people loved it. I mean, the fact of the matter is like, it's a, it's a subset in hip hop that people enjoy. Women enjoy songs like that. Dudes play songs for women like that or whatever. Like, I mean, and I think it was kind of cool that in the midst of everybody going hard and stuff like that, he was just like, Hey, I need love. I need love. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to cuddle up and hug up with somebody. And I mean, he was LL. I mean, he was fine. So, I mean, I'm sure there were plenty of people out there trying to give up the love. So I'm not even going to, I'm just not going to go there. I was, I was going to be messy, but I've I've decided I'm not going to do that. (laughs) No, please be messy. I'd like to know. I'd like to know what you're about to say. I was going to say, do you still find him attractive now? Because I don't think he looks as good as he used to. No, I definitely don't think he's an unattractive man, but I don't find him as attractive as I did, say, 10 years ago. So it's not just me. No, I mean, I, I guess... I don't know. I feel like I'm starting him. to kind of look at because it's kind of like it's like that with Ice Cube too. Like I still, I don't think he's an unattractive man, but I think as they get older, I just see them more like just like dads or like people who could be my dad. You know, I, I don't that. know. It's, I it's weird. Like, I mean, he's got his own show now because he's on NCIS LA or whatever. Uh, and there's just something about his face that doesn't look right, and I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not trying to say he's ugly. Like it's that's not what I'm trying to say at all. There's just and to be honest, his face really doesn't look that different. Also, but there's just something about his face that looks different. And I'm just like, what have you done? I don't know what it is. It's gotta be something very what do you, what do you think he did to his I don't face? Know. Did he fill it up with fillers? Or what do you think no, he did? I, think I need to see just, a re- maybe I need to find a recent picture of him because I feel like, like I missed something. He he looks exactly the same. But also he looks different and there's just something about him where I'm like, something is wrong with your face and I don't know what it is. Maybe his face is just fuller or something. Is that what it is? I don't think so. I think his face looks about as... <laughs> Hello, cool J. Let's start there. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm looking at a picture of him. So like I went and googled him and i see a picture of him from today and then i see a picture of him from younger days his face is definitely less chiseled it's definitely some more roundness going on there maybe he's just rounded in general yeah his face does his <laughs> i told you i'm trying not to be messy i was trying very very hard not to thank you for thank you for showing me that because now i can't unsee it so <laughs> Okay, it probably is his face. I'm looking at his like Kennedy Center honors picture, and then like there was a picture of him from like the 80s with the Kango hat, and it's definitely fuller than it used to be. So that just might be his face is definitely different. And again, like I said, it's it's not saying that he's a you know an unattractive guy or anything like that. But I mean, you know, I get it. I mean, he's not gonna be he's not gonna look like doing it ll twenty plus years later. 20, 30 years later or whatever, because what doing it came out of what mid nineties mm-hmm. or something like that. So you're talking about running up on 30 years mm-hmm. since then. So I mean, I get it, you know and I mean? I, I certainly don't think that, you know, I'll be 32 next week. I, you know, don't think I'm going to look the same when I'm right. 62, obviously, but I also, yeah, yeah, I do. I do see where it's a different, 
It's I'm going to close there. out Christina's messy corner by saying that LL Cool J is one of those people that always needs to wear a hat. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> How about the edit? When do you see him without a hat on? When did you see him without I mean, a hat on? There's a few on? pictures in the Google image search uh, that he doesn't have a hat on. And I'm just like, you need to go find Kangol hat right now. <laughs> see funny story so i found out through twitter today oh, wow. that it comes it's like an exactly. egg. i found out through twitter today that the reason that google <laughs> image search exists is because of j-lo's like famous like plungy gold i mean green versace dress from 2000 mm-hmm. that green dress so, yeah like, that's the reason that google image search exists and i'm just like wow Random that's crazy. Movie. That's all. Oh yeah, and now they've got a they got a picture of like young LL beside him. Like wow, he was mm-hmm. fine. Mm. But yeah, I see what you're saying about the you know I I was just I, you know what I completely forgot that he was not wearing a hat and uh was it deep blue see mm-hmm. is that the yes. name of the yeah I completely forgot he didn't wear a hat in that I see what you're saying now yeah he always wear a hat definitely better with the hat. Yeah, I mean it's not bad. He doesn't have like a bad shaped head or anything like that. He just he just looks he just looks better with the hat on. Um, I said I was gonna stop being messy. <laughs> I mean it's not like a neo head or anything like that. I mean that's a head right there if you want to. <laughs> okay, now we've gone we we veered way off into other territory. <laughs> okay, I just I would I'm like sorry, to point guys. out that it's eleven o'clock at night and definitely past both of our bedtimes which is why we've probably gone a little loopy right now i apologize guys <laughs> definitely gonna definitely gone a little loopy yeah i mean so for me like i, I could just name mm-hmm. all day you know hip-hop stuff or whatever and stuff i actually think i might might do that if anybody else is like an 80s hip-hop head or just a hip-hop head in general let's let's get together and let's talk about that um i tend to be on our twitter page for the most part or whatever so if you guys want to continue that conversation about 80s hip-hop um we can take it to the twitter page and talk about it there but yeah so what else do you have because i think i have pretty much exhausted everything that my brain can possibly think of at least for tonight and then as soon as we get off i'll think of things of course that's going to be part two of this episode um the only person that I feel like we have not mentioned from the 80s is the one, the only, your faves from the 80s. and I mean, your faves from the 90s and 2000s would not exist without this woman. We haven't talked about Madonna yet. Oh, Madonna yeah. is Madonna was that huge. Girl. Um, you know, the 80s were her material girl phase, the like a prayer as the take a bow, express yourself, probably one of her biggest hits. Um I love Express Yourself. That's my favorite I Madonna love song. I Don't Preach. It's one of my favorite songs. Um, and then like in the early 2000s or maybe, I think it was the early 2000s, Kelly Osbourne, you know, Ozzy Osbourne's daughter covered it because she was had mm-hmm. a music career. I don't think she's doing music anymore. Um, and her cover was actually pretty dope. And I want to say Madonna was going to be in the video, but there were some scheduling conflicts. Um, but I love Papa Don't Preach. Madonna was just that girl. I mean, she's definitely not that girl anymore, but if Madonna didn't exist, we wouldn't have Christina, we wouldn't have Brittany, we wouldn't have Lady Gaga. Um, and like the 80s were just kind of her time. Like if you're talking about like the greats from the 80s, you're definitely going to say Prince and Michael and Janet. But you can't have that conversation without also talking about Madonna. Like it's just impossible. Um, 
she was a woman who, you know, owned her sexuality, just like Tina Turner did. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, people loved her. People still love her. I'm fairly certain she could go on tour today and she would sell out like it was 1985 again. Um, So, yeah, I just love Madonna. I love all of her old stuff. Um, Express Yourself is that jam, Um, even though people have tried to duplicate it. Not so much. Uh, but Right. Yeah, she had great she videos. Did. Oh my God. I always and I mean I think that's kind of a general thing for just artists mm-hmm. of that era anyway. Just excellent videos, like the time and attention they detail. Yeah. It was like a movie event. It was a it was an event. Mm-hmm. It was a big thing. And I mean videos now, again, outside of like your Beyonce's and artists like that, that really put that mm-hmm. time in there or whatever. And even now I'll say like a, like a Cardi B or somebody mm-hmm. like that or whatever, that actually takes the time to like create something that's mm-hmm. super dope. Cause like her, the money video is right. amazing. Oh, I love that video. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, outside of that or whatever, a lot of artists just really don't put that type of energy into a video anymore. Cause videos aren't, I don't, I don't know if people really, and I know people consume media different mm-hmm. now because, I mean, there was no YouTube to go on mm-hmm. back then to look at things right. or whatever. But I feel like, generally speaking, people aren't into videos and music videos as much as they used to be. Like, even when we were kids, like TRL, and your 106 in Parks, like... And even, like, MTV yeah. had the days... I can't remember what the name of the show. It was making the video when they used to go behind the scenes, like, with the artist actually on the video set. And right. they would, you know, it would be like a half-hour show where you would see how they made the video and then they would premiere the video. And... Like all the right. awards that like directors would get, because like we don't have a hype Williams or Joseph Kahn like we used to, where like they were doing everybody's mm-hmm. video. Like Joseph Kahn was doing like Britney Spears videos and Metallica videos right. in the same year. Like what? Like <laughs> yeah, and hype just did all the black yes. people videos. Just if you were a black person making music, it didn't matter what genre, what you were doing. It was a hype Williams video. Just Busta Rhymes, Janet, and he was just oh, doing yeah. everybody's he was making video. All the money. Especially hip, especially hip hop people, like especially hip hop artists. He just did he all of their videos all the money back then. Um, yeah. Oh, also, you were talking about autobiographies earlier. Since you were talking about Bobby Brown's, and we had talked about Motley mm-hmm. Crue, like for like two point five seconds. Um, yeah. Never ever, ever 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 read Nikki Six's autobiography. Just walk right past it. <laughs> like I went through this phase where I was reading like artist autobiographies and i read like steven tyler steven tyler's was a lot of fun um i read uh who's the guy from red hot chili peppers anthony kiedis's anthony kiedis's was a lot of fun he met the dalai lama um and bought a house somewhere in like thailand but it rains all the time so it was like what was the point of buying a house um and like a few others tommy lee's was pretty funny um but nikki six's i felt like i was doing drugs reading it it's just weird Cause it's like, I mean, what's weird about is it just is the story just told in a so, weird way or so first, he, so first of all, the pages doing? look weird. Like it looks like. Let me back up. So Nikki Six's autobiography is like he found some old journals, and so the most of the content is like the pages from his old journals, and so it's heavily drug induced mm. and crazy. But then there's like commentary from people. Who lived it so like you know when he died and was resuscitated and all that stuff like he talks about it in his journal but then he talks about it from like whatever time period he wrote it in like the 2000s something like that or like you know he used to date uh vanity six or like vanity from vanity six yeah um 
But, you know, yeah. now she's a pastor and doesn't really live that life anymore. Doesn't really talk too much about that time then. So you have her commentary as like, for lack of a better word, saying, saved, sanctified, and Holy Ghost filled. Talking about like <laughs> Nikki Six's drug induced benders and all that stuff. And it just looks, oh it's my gosh. just nuts. Just seem, that just seems really it's, messy. It's a travesty. <laughs> It even looks weird because, like, the pages are, like, black and red and crazy. It's, it's just, stay away. Like, I had to experience it so you guys don't have to. Just stay away. Go read Anthony Kiedis' biography because his was really fun. But just just stay away from the Nikki Six book. Don't even get curious. Just Yeah. Note taken. I, far, that, far sounds, <laughs> like, that sounds like something that's just going to make me it, have a it headache. Is. It is. I don't even think I finished it because I was just like, this was a mistake. <laughs> like... <laughs> I don't know what it is where I got into like rock star autobiographies for like two years when I was just like I'm just gonna put this book down and hide it somewhere I'd love to hear more about Vanity I've always been really interested and curious about her just like her mm-hmm. life and being in the group and working with Prince mm-hmm. and everything like that like anybody that was connected to Prince I would love to read more about them like I don't know if Sheila E has an autobiography okay, or not she does. but if she does uh yeah, if she does, I need to find it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put that on my like to-do list of things to find because I have to fly in a couple of days and it will be dope if I can download like a Kindle version of it and read it on my on my way over to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if she does have one. Now I'm thinking about it. We have homework. Yeah, because anybody that was just like connected to Prince and had a personal relationship with him, I would love to to read about what that was mm-hmm. like. I'd also like to hear more from Prince's sister. I know that's kind of getting off topic or whatever. Like, just to hear more about what he right. was like. Like, can you imagine your brother being Prince? No, I can't. That's crazy. Oh, had to have been crazy. So anything else that you want to add to the 80s song slash artist slash music conversation? I don't have anything 80s, but I would like to point out because this is kind of a big deal and it's not really nostalgic, but Cardi B just won a Grammy. So shout out to her. Like I saw somebody tweet that like literally she was on Love and Hip Hop two years ago and now she's winning right. a Grammy. I mean, the trajectory of her career is crazy. Like in a Pepsi commercial, doing amazing right. photo shoots or whatever. Like, oh my gosh. She she looked fantastic wow. or whatever. Which, I mean, it just makes me laugh because when she got into that whole little scuffle with Nikki, people were like, oh, her ghetto tail, her career is going to be over soon and stuff like that. And I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. mm. I don't know. I mean, you know, I can't I can't see the future or anything like that. But I mean, it looks like that 15 minutes that people claimed is running a right. little long. And I mean, even even if her career is doesn't have any longevity, like the ride that she's on right. now. She's enjoying it. Mm-hmm. It's great. And she's accomplishing mm-hmm. wonderful things. Because, I mean, everybody's time ends right. eventually. Like, I know people don't want to hear it. But at some point in time, people hang right. up their hats. And, I mean, you know, yeah, they go on. They may become legends and stuff like that. But it's just like, I mean, like a like a Beyonce. Right. Like, she'll be marked down in history as a legend. But one day, she's going right. to stop making music. Um, and, and go on. And there will be another, you know, there'll be other big stars and stuff that will come after her. And, you know, nobody exactly quite like her, but, you know, eventually people will move on to mm-hmm. newer, you know, younger stars as she as she um, gets older and, you know, decides to kind of take a step back from the music mm-hmm. industry and maybe mentor other artists or do something else. So, I mean, while you've got that time and while the camera's on you and while you're in the spotlight, like, like ride it out exactly. for all this work. And, you know, one of these days, 
10, 15 years down the road, whether or not Cardi B is, you know, still in the spotlight, which I hope she is because I enjoy watching her career. But like, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, we'll be doing a nostalgia mixtape episode about Cardi B. Exactly. That's going to be, that's going to be dope. I can't imagine. Like, I'm already excited about that. Like, 15 years from now, the stuff you'll be able to talk about because it'll open up a whole nother world. Like I said, we cut off at 2009 now because I feel like, you know, 2009, 10 years Mm -hmm. ago, anything under 10 years, I'm like, uh, I mean, it may have a little bit of nostalgia Mm -hmm. value, but it really wasn't that long ago, you know? Mm, 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 mm. so yeah so what i think i'm gonna do guys um we are getting ready to wrap up this episode but before we go what i think i'm gonna work on um don't rush me on this it's probably gonna take me a couple of weeks because i'm going to la and atlanta and doing a whole bunch of other things in the next two weeks. years later but i think it, yeah <laughs> no it ain't gonna be that long it ain't gonna be that long because i did pretty good with the janet when i had that done in like i'm just picking at you i love you um yeah so what I'm going to try to do is put together a, another Ooh. playlist um, and try to get together some of these songs or whatever. And of course, I'll kind of group them by genre and do all that stuff like that. But maybe get together some of these 80s playlist songs and throw on some more that pop into my mind or the ones that I really didn't get a chance to talk about or whatever, like take on me, you know, some of those classic songs or whatever and see if you guys like it and enjoy mm-hmm. it. Sounds so like look fun. out for that probably within the next yeah, definitely before we wrap up the season, that'll that'll be out and be a thing. And I'll tweet it out and let you guys hey. know. All right. So we're out of here. So that is that is it for us, guys. If you want to continue the conversation or you have anything you want to add, find us on Twitter and Instagram at Nostalgia Mix Pod. Use the hashtag Nostalgia Mix Pod and talk with us. We'll be checking the hashtag. Um, let us know who your 80s faves are, especially if you're someone who's a bit older than us and maybe you had a different experience with 80s music and you actually came of age during that time. We would love to know what you were listening to and if you have any suggestions for us to go out and explore as well. And we hope you guys have a lovely mm-hmm. week and we will see you on the very next episode. Love you guys. Bye.